Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The Path Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the Path. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. So we have been on a journey this year talking about never alone. That's been our theme of how God is always with us, but we are always with one another as well. A couple of weeks ago, Angel talked about being on a team, being around a group of people where you can go out on mission together to love people, to serve people, to be like Jesus. And I am on a team. I'm on team Jackson 4, baby. Now, I ain't have no choice to be on this team, but it is an incredible team that I'm on. So recently we were in uh, D.C. for vacation and a, uh, a meeting I had to go to. And one of the things the kids and Tasha like to do is they love to go to escape rooms. And I hate escape rooms, dude. They give me a headache, man. I think too much throughout the week, bro. I can't do all that thinking, man. But they love to go. So I'm like, we're on vacation. What am I going to do, sit in the room? Nah, so we go, and I have an attitude. And I'm just sitting on the little props and stuff, and my daughter comes up to me and says, you know what, you are a poor teammate. I said, boy, you let your teenagers call you to the curb, boy. I said, well, Kennedy, I'm sorry. I will try to find out what my role is because I stink at this. And so she gave me some helpful pointers. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. (laughs) So uh, first question that I have for y'all is what is the advantages of being on a team? What are the advantages of being on a team? So YouTube, good morning to you. Going to give you an opportunity to jump in there as well. What are the advantages of being on a team? Many of us have played sports in our background. We've been on work projects. We've been on all different types of things. We've got to work with other people. So accountability. Wow, I didn't think that was going to be in the center. Winning. Multiple perspectives. Going farther alone. Okay. Innovation. Humility. This is great. Diverse thinking. They definitely talk about that in the business world. But look at accountability. Y'all going to make me change my message today. So, you know, the funny thing is we look at all these incredible, look, I mean, if somebody wants to take a picture of that, you really should. Because that's us being together. Look at the advantages. Now, too often Satan tries to make us think that we can figure it out all on our own. That I can take my little brain and I can do whatever I need to do by myself. He controls the narrative in society that all we need, even from a spiritual standpoint, is me and my Bible. That's all I need. I got my streaming opportunities for all my stuff online. I ain't got to go nowhere. 
I can be by myself. I will figure it out. And you know, nothing really ever good happens when you're by yourself for the most part. Let's be honest. If you stay by yourself too much, you're bound to get into some problems. You're staying in your head. Who are you going to talk to? Yourself? And who are you going to answer? Yourself? I mean, my wife picking me all the time that I talk too much to myself. I got a problem. So, it's not good to be by ourselves all the time. So, there is an American movie classic that we're going to use today to talk about what does it really look like to be on a team. And we're off. Here we are. In three, two, one. How many Top Gun fans do we have? So we are familiar. All right. So we know Maverick in the first one. Some of y'all may not have been born when the first one came out. So I'm dating myself, but that's why we brought back this one. So uh, Maverick is a cowboy. He is a loose cannon. He really doesn't do the whole team thing. They always get on him in the first movie. Don't leave your wingman or don't leave your teammate. He had a good heart. He wanted to go do the right thing, but he was about taking care of it himself. This time around, Maverick is now asked to lead a team of Top Gun champions, the best of the best of naval aviators. He was on his way out. He just pulled off a stunt that wrecked a billion-dollar plane. They were getting ready to fire his behind straight out of the Navy. But his homeboy, Iceman, gave him one last shot, gave him another chance, but this time he was going to have to be on a team, and he was going to have to be the teacher. That dude said up there, I ain't no teacher. Let me just set the expectations. I'm a fighter pilot. I don't teach it. I do it. But his charge was to pull all these top gun champions, these type A personalities, best of the best, to pull them together and work through their past issues and the past issues that he had so that they can accomplish their mission. And Jesus gives us a clear plan for what does it look like to be on his team for his mission. And the title of my message today is Team. Together, everyone accomplishes more for the mission. Amen? Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. So I've been studying out the missionary journeys of Paul. And Paul was on the move for the mission. He started off by being recruited by Barnabas to go see the church in Antioch, which we'll talk about a little bit later. He sees that church, he works with them for a year or so, and then that church commissions him and Barnabas to go out on the mission together as a team. Some scholars believe that Paul had almost 32 people on his team that he interchangeably would use to send out to do God's will. And so as Paul continues from Galatia, he planted three or four churches, then he moved on to Berea, Thessalonica, and Philippi, Athens, and then he ends up on his third missionary journey here in Ephesus. And a lot of scholars think that Ephesus is the mecca of the training for the mission during that time. 
So a lot of the things that Paul talks about are the essence of what Paul, Jesus, wants to communicate to us about being on a team to accomplish God's mission. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he, Jesus, himself gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That is, to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. So we usually tend to look at this passage only from a leadership perspective. And we will talk about those five different, I'll just say names for now, as titles. And that is so. But these roles and responsibilities were given to the church by Jesus. Now, everyone in the church, work with me here, everyone in the church can partner with God in some type of way through those gifts. Now, you may say, Jackson, no, that's crazy. That's only for leadership. Work with me. Now, the team-based approach that we practice here that's been written about in other uh, biblical texts is missional engagement with a team. And that's gotten a lot of attention because we know when you try to do it by yourself, if they're just a pastor, everything's on the pastor. Well, when he blows it, everything's blown. And so Jesus never did anything by himself. Now, there are roles and titles for the leaders. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, what I will refer to moving forward as apes for short. But there are two authors by the name of Frost and Hirsch who present an idea that says that everyone in the church has the divine ability to partner with God in one of those five ways. It's almost as if you lean toward one of those roles or responsibilities or another. Not saying that you may have that title. We're talking about gifting. We're talking about talent. And I know many of the brothers that I work with, as I read that, I'm like, yeah, he leans toward this, or he leans toward that. He's not an elder, but man, he sure loves to make sure that God's people are taken care of. So these are divinely appointed, motivated abilities that Jesus has given the church. Now, there are other gifts. There are about 19 if you kind of want to say, well, how many gifts are mentioned in the New Testament. But I'm kind of talking about what Jesus gave the church specifically here to be able to be on mission. This was the living expression of what Jesus wanted his church to be to glorify the Father. Apes is not just for leaders. It's not just for leaders. It is the leader's role, so the person that may have that title, to equip the saints in that particular gifting. 
So it's our job as leaders to help the disciples move forward in their gifting to glorify God. We as a leadership team are here to serve you, church. Y'all are not here to serve us. It's not our idea. It's Jesus' idea. So on our teams, we need to have all these elements. So of the five, three we kind of know about and we understand and we don't have a problem with, right? We have evangelists in this church. We have shepherds in this church. We're working on teachers. So we don't have a problem with that. But the ones that become unfamiliar that we do get a little weird about is like, hey, that's Apostle Jackson. That gets a little weird. So I understand that. Okay, I get that. So work with me. We're going to talk about it in a different frame. I'm not calling myself Apostle Jackson today, okay? It's apostolic gifting, all right? So let's start with apostolic. Their drive is kingdom expansion. They want to go outside these four walls and see the kingdom of God go everywhere. That may be church, that may be organization, that may be nonprofit, but they are about bringing Jesus along with them in whatever context that may be. They make non-believers feel so welcome. They can hang out with the dope dealer and the dope user. They can hang out with the prostitute and the pimp. And they can make them feel just like the prodigal son. My arms are open, come home. And so they have the heart to want to share Jesus outside of the walls. There are people in our fellowship that thrive off of that. They want to bust outside of these four walls and see God's kingdom expand. I ask you, church, do you want to see God's kingdom expand outside these four walls? If you have an underlying passion for that, you may have a lean or a bend toward apostolic gifting. Prophet. Oh, boy, I know I'm going to get a lot of slack on this one. All right. Let me just start off by saying I am not saying that I'm just going to use my brother Pruitt because I think Pruitt has a prophetic deal. All right. So I'm not saying Rashad knows who's sinning right now at this moment and he can predict the future. No, we're not saying that. All right. What we are saying is this particular individual is an encourager. They talk about what God has put on their heart, regardless of if it's going against the grain or not. They ask the tough questions. They are not just yes people to whatever the thing is that we're trying to do. They will ask, hey, we've been doing a lot of teaching about gifts Are we using our gifts? They will be prayer warriors. They will want to go where new things are happening so that they can encourage the people, so that they can pray with the people. They are interrupters because they're just not going to go along with everything, but they're not disruptors. They're not going to dig their heels in and say, I ain't going because I don't like the way this is going because it ain't my idea. That is not what we're talking about. Evangelists. Now, I can tell you now, evangelist boy, evangelists will wear the church out, bo. 
but they are needed. Their role is to equip the body to proclaim God's word. They teach you how to share your faith. And they are convicted about that to no end. The shepherd, they equip the body to care for God's family. And the teacher equips the body to teach God's word. So as a congregation, where is our apostolic momentum? Where is our prophetic momentum, our shepherd momentum, our evangelistic momentum, and our teaching momentum? So, opportunity for us to get a little gut level honest. And I hope as I have went through that, you've thought about which one do I lean towards? Which one do I gravitate towards? Now, this is anonymous, so it ain't like I can chase you down and find out who are my uh, evangelists and who are, oh, we got an apostolic. I knew I should have put some emails up there that y'all can reach out to, but that's okay. I'm going to trust in the Lord. And you know, it's funny. I knew that shepherd was going to be the biggest thing, and that's why we have such a healthy church, and we know how to work with one another because we apply the one another scriptures, and that's called discipling. I know we get a little weirded out when we hear that word, but because we have more people that lean towards shepherding, that's where the application of the one another scriptures occur. That's where you're going to have your one-on-ones. That's where you're going to have your small groups. So this is amazing. This is so encouraging. So, Mike, we got to figure out a way. How do we capture those, the, those folks, right? Because we even have 12 apostolic. We got 12 evangelists. Who are the 16 prophetics, man? We got to start hearing from y'all. We got to start hearing from y'all. Look at the people that love God's word. So the leader or the person that has that title, we got to figure out who you are so that we can train you, so that we can help you in your gifting, so that we can figure out how do you want to partner with God to go on the mission. This is not just for leaders. This is for everyone sitting in the audience. In some shape, form, or fashion, as we clearly see, you lean towards one or the other. Now, I did give people the opportunity to choose two because I kind of, you know, I'm like, oh, man. So I think for myself, I'm apostolic, so I have a big A, and then I kind of, my evangelist and my teacher are kind of the same, and then my shepherd, and then I don't know about prophetic, but amen. Uh, so <laughs> you can't be good at everything, y'all, you know. <clears throat> so... The major point that I have for y'all today, very simple. In order for us to facilitate kingdom expansion, it requires everyday disciples to be sent in their gifts on teams. Not by yourself. Not by yourself. That's not how Jesus did it. He sent them out two by two. By the time Paul got to him, he was sending them out five by five, man. We need some more help out here, man. People lost. The church needs to be encouraged when the other people get sent out. Who are we going to leave behind that's going to build the church up? So in the movie, Maverick learns that he cannot succeed on his own. The mission requires dropping multiple bombs at a site. He can only drop one. 
So he had to get help and support from his fellow pilots to accomplish the mission. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we are on a team as well. Amen? We are on the body of Christ team. We must work together using our unique gifts and talents to serve God and others. So I work in the operating room, as many of you all know. And so I have pictured here uh, Dr. X, uh, who's on yep, the right there. He's my mentor. And so I took this because this shows a great example of in the operating room, it's not just the surgeon that matters. There are many different people in that room and even outside of that room that have a specific role and responsibility. You have the pre-op nurse that checks them in. You have the other nurse that starts the IV. You have the anesthesiologist. God have mercy. Y'all don't want me doing your anesthesia now. <laughs> boy, you might not wake up, boy. I don't know what's going on up there behind that curtain, boy. So you got anesthesia working. You got your first assist. You got your scrub tech. She knows the instruments sometimes better than you. I'm like, yeah, give me the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, yeah, 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 that right there. Give me that. They know you. And so, <laughs> but for all of that to work, we all got to be present. If somebody don't show up with their A game, our top performance for our patients suffer. So when we help each other out, when we got each other's back, it's amazing. And in the same way, we as disciples of Jesus Christ have to find our team. Who are your ride or dies? Sometimes we got to back up and be like, well, what team are your own? <laughs> Paul talked about that last week. Let me side note. Hey, Paul said, listen, it's about repentance and baptism. You got to know what you are doing, what you have done. I, I'm going to be gut level honest with y'all, as Mike would say. We get a lot of folks that get these conversion stories when they little babies and stuff, and they four, five, eight years old. You don't know what you're doing. You really don't. God does not want little people to be in the battle. He wants grown folks who understand what they are getting themselves into so that they can make a conscious decision to make Jesus Lord and get on the battlefield. Decide what team are you on today. So when you look at being on a team, it ain't always roses and ice cream. Sometimes it can get pretty heated when you're on the team. Go ahead and show this video. Your team leader up there. Why are you, why is your team dead? Sir, he's the only one who made it to the target. A minute late. He gave enemy aircraft time to shoot him down. He is dead. You don't know that. You're not flying fast enough. You don't have a second to waste. We made it to the target. And superior enemy aircraft intercepted you on your way out. Then it's a dogfight. Against fifth generation fighters. Yeah, we'd still have a chance. In an F-18. It's not the plane, sir. It's the pilot. Exactly. There's more than one way to fly this mission. You really don't get it. 
On this mission, a man flies like Maverick here, or a man does not come back. No offense intended. Yet somehow, you always manage. Look, I don't mean to criticize. You're conservative, that's all. Lieutenant? We're going into combat, son, on a level no living pilot's ever seen. Not even him. It's no time to be thinking about the past. What's that supposed to mean, Rooster? I can't be the only one that knows that Maverick flew with his old Lieutenant, man. That's enough. Or that Maverick was flying when his old man. Lieutenant, that's enough. Mmm, boy, spark started to fly. They went on a mission. They had a briefing before. After the mission, that was the debrief. And they got into it in a healthy way. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. <laughs> We're going to do it a healthy way, all right? <laughs> right before they started fisticuffs, all right. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every support and ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So they were speaking the truth in love in the first part of that. They were talking about what needed to happen in the mission and, wasn't, and what was not happening in the mission. And there was a little defensiveness. There was a little discussion. Hey, what do you know kind of thing. It was a back and forth. And so, brothers and sisters, as we have conversations with each other on a team, we got to be honest. You have to say what you have to say in a respectful, loving manner, speaking the truth in love. You have to be humble. Ask questions. Get the other side of the story. Gain understanding before you fly off the handle. And don't hold on to stuff. Don't hold on to stuff. Don't say yes when you really mean no. It just creates a lot more, more conversations, more discussions to have. People are lost out there, man. We don't need to be getting into it with each other. So just say what you have to say in a loving, respectful way. Write this one down. Write this one down. There's no I in team. There's no I in team, which means it ain't about Ed. I got to sacrifice. In the movie, Maverick was willing to put his own desires aside for the greater good of the team. He was willing to risk his life to save others. He didn't want to be a teacher. He wanted to fly the mission and take care of the problem himself. But it wasn't his way. He didn't want to have to work through the tough decisions of who's going to fly the mission or not or work through the tough issues of working through things with Rooster and his dad, Goose. He didn't want any of that. But he had to sacrifice. 
as disciples, we too are called to make sacrifices for Jesus. For the sake of his mission, for the sake of the team that he calls us to, we have to be willing to put others' interests before our own. Just like Jesus did when he sacrificed himself on the cross for every one of us. Write this one down. Write this one down. Let's compromise. Let's compromise. We, too often, as I mentioned earlier, try to figure out things on our own. And we don't ask for any input. We think that we have the best idea. Being on a team means you may not get your way. And you may have to let some stuff go that you think should happen. In the movie, Maverick had to learn from his mistakes. He had to be willing to accept help from his homeboy, Iceman. Iceman couldn't even talk. He had throat cancer. But he wanted to help his friends so much because he was starting to veer off. And so Maverick needed humility to listen to Iceman. And it wasn't Maverick's plan in the end. Iceman had the best idea. As disciples, we got to be humble. Sean mentioned a couple weeks ago, you may be wrong sometimes. You might be wrong. It's okay to have your opinion. But what I would encourage us to do is as you have your opinion or your way, before you come to the discussion with the team, just work your heart to a point of openness. And to a point of being indifferent where, yeah, I got an idea, but it doesn't have to be my idea. That's how a team will move forward with what is best. We all have to recognize that we are not perfect. We all need God's grace in this journey. And we need the support of our teammates. And we see a great example of this in the beginning of the church in Acts chapter 2. So I'm going to put three different passages up here. I will not read them all. I have them up here so you can kind of read them or reference them for later in the interest of time. So I'll kind of paraphrase some of them up. And so in uh, Acts chapter 2 where the church begins, uh, the Holy Spirit is poured out uh, on the disciples. And then Peter uh, preaches the first sermon, the first sermon. And in preaching that, I've read this so many times over and never made the connection, but he references Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, and he's talking about where God will pour out his Holy Spirit on his believers, his followers, and then they will be able to have these amazing gifts. And I was like, okay, great, they got gifts, Holy Spirit, he's moving. But then I never connected what was the end result of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. The end result was Peter preached about Jesus being crucified. The Jews were cut to the heart. They said, brothers, what, shall, what, what must we do? Peter says, repent and be baptized. Period, somebody said. You have 3,000 men. There were women there too. So let's just say six, five, 6,000 people get converted because the Holy Spirit was poured out. People were activated in their gifting. 
and then the Spirit moved them to make this decision. Well, what happened after they were converted? Acts chapter 2, verse 42. So the Holy Spirit is poured out. The disciples are now activated in their gifting. And then we see the church being the church. We see them being devoted to the apostles' teaching. Breaking bread, communion, prayer, giving where a need is needed, hanging out with each other every day. What was the end result of that? The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Well, it doesn't stop there. It's just not a bunch of disciples hanging out with each other and, yeah, this is great. We're just going to stay here in Jerusalem. No. Acts chapter 11, Barnabas and Paul are now called to this church in Antioch because those same disciples from Acts chapter 2 that was living out what we always studied out, they lived that out. And a group of no-name disciples with no discernible leadership titles planted a church in Antioch, the first Gentile church. Paul and Barnabas rose up on them, and they see what happens when you live out the one another scriptures. Because what happened in Jerusalem was effective discipling, effective application of the one another scriptures. And so they go on to create this church because they were equipped. They had been equipped, and they had become activated in their gifts. What fears do we have about being on a team to go on the mission? What fears do we have? I know sometimes I can have a fear of, man, it's just easier for me to do it by myself. It's just easier for me to do it by myself. I don't have time to be teaching people, people learning. They slow. They don't learn like I learn. Conflict. I knew that was going to be number one. So there's a lot of good stuff up here. Let's do conflict. Brothers and sisters, we're going to have conflict. It's going to happen. We're not perfect. That's why Paul wrote that scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Just be honest with one another. Just be honest. We're not going to bite your head off. Nobody in here is going to bite your head off. So we can't avoid conflict. We got to be on teams. We got to do it together. So I'm going to get my brother Grant to uh, come on out um, to help me with something. So the military has done a great job of organizing teams. And so when you look at their structure, um, you know, it can get as high as 50,000, you know, people, but we're going to start at the battalion level, all right? So at the battalion level, you can have about 300 to 1,000 soldiers. That represents church for us. The next level down is the company. You can have 60 to 200 soldiers. That represents a church or a ministry within the church. 
Next level down, now we're getting into our small groups. The platoon, 18 to 50 soldiers. That represents a ministry or maybe a mission group. And then my favorite one is the squad. Six to ten, baby. Six to ten, that's all you need. That's a mission group or a strike team. A strike team is about three or four people that get sent out to go plant a church that have different types of gifting. So the challenge that we have is the current culture in our society is church is not needed. Let's be honest. We don't need to show up here today. We can take our Bibles. We can cut on the streaming. We can look at all the amazing preachers from all the different ministries and stuff, and we're like, I'm good. And it's amazing. People are now starting to see that they need connection. They need in-person engagement. They need to be a part of something bigger than themselves. So those of us that are trying to figure out our walk with God today, amen that you are here. It is so encouraging. There are people that are lost out there that think that the church is irrelevant. Well, the challenge with that is they have an unbiblical perspective of the church. We got to look at the Bible and look at what the Bible describes the church should be. And it's not optional to be a part of the church. When you sign up for Jesus, so me and Grant, we're going to go ahead and do this, brother. Go ahead and get that thing open. When you decide, if and when you decide to follow Jesus and you decide to put on the uniform, bruh, there's no, like, arguing, all right? So, right now, this is a regular plain old Jane. Thank you, Kennedy, for using Let Me Use Your Stuff. I don't want y'all to think I'm a little weird, all right? So, uh, <laughs> got this band. I didn't know it had this band around here. <laughs> but this is somebody who is contemplating making the decision to follow Jesus. The scripture clearly says when you do, you are clothed with Christ. You put on his uniform. So we are going to put on this uniform, me and Brother Grant. Let's see, we find our space here, big boss. All right, there you go. I'm going to put that down and you can finish up. All right, when Grant zips that on and put on the final touches, that's it, Jack. You belong to Jesus. You're clothed with Christ. You got to come out here and you got to serve and love your fellow brother and sister. So if you, hey, all right, got the sunglasses and everything, boy. Grant, go ahead and give me, I feel like I need to be a part of a team as well, so uh, I want to put on my team as well. So, you know, when we are deciding to follow Jesus, it's all about being a team, baby. I told you, Ramon, I was going to make you happy, baby. I like to create conflict. So if you got a problem, come talk to me about it, and we can talk about it, all right? <laughs> Thank you, Nedra Jackson. Thank you, Sister Nedra. <laughs> so as we close out, here's the practical I have for y'all. Get involved in one of our mission groups. Get involved in one of our mission groups. That's the squad, or that's the platoon. 
That is a part of it. Get involved in one of the ministries. There's a marriage ministry, singles ministry, teens ministry. There are many different things to get involved with. And Lord, please, if you're going to follow Jesus, you got to be a part. You are a part of the church. You are a part of the body. So if you are a committed member here at The Path, we want you to come on out. We want you to come on out. The health care crisis is over. It's over. All right? I studied it out. It's okay. We need you back so that we can be on a team together for kingdom expansion. Amen? So I did find out how to figure out how to, you know, do my escape room with Kennedy. You know, I found my role. You know, I was able to, you know, work some of the electronic things. I had the long arm to stick my hand up someplace to grab a key. So we didn't get out, but we worked well together as a team because Kennedy called me out. So, so you know, in the end, Maverick finally did get to lead his mission. He was put as team leader. He selected his team. They went and got the job done. Now, during that process, he gave his self up for Rooster. Rooster, in return, gave himself up for Maverick. And both of them had to be saved by Hangman, who was also trying to figure out how to work on a team as well. So, brothers and sisters, what would it look like for all of us to join a team at some level wherever you are in the journey? Because on a team... Nothing is impossible. Together, everyone accomplishes more. And Jesus definitely accomplished a mission for us on the cross. Let's go to God in prayer. Holy Father, thank you for this opportunity, God. Thank you, Father, for the ability to love you, to serve you. Such an honor, God, to be able to have relationships in this church, to be on a team on multiple levels. Father, let us have our conviction about meeting with one another. Because we, even we know, we read in your scriptures 2,000 years ago, people still struggled with that. Let us partner with you with our gifts and our talents that you have appointed us with. To develop those gifts, to share with others because your son shared with us first. In your holy son's name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about The Path, we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.